Well, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we can rejoice here today even when, well, certainly as things are going well in our lives, everything seems to be falling together, which is great. We're naturally thankful. But we can also rejoice when times are tough because we know who is present in our lives at such times. We can be glad for him. And so this morning we come actually to a, an Old Testament reading from the Psalms of a man who was experiencing trouble, having a hard time, I guess you could say, rejoicing. So reading from Psalms 55. Listen to my prayer, O God, do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My heart is in anguish within me. Terrors of death assail me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and storm. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. And then these words from the Gospel of John, we've been looking at the miracles, the signs, the seven signs in the Gospel of John. We come to another one today. Uh, this event happens right after the feeding of the 5,000. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. Now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. Strong wind was blowing and the waters grew tough. And when they had rowed three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water. And they were terrified. But he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Amen. The Sea of Galilee lies about 600 feet below sea level. And oftentimes cool air would come flowing in to displace the warm, moist air below over the lake. And this invariably causes uh, a violent squall. Well, that apparently has occurred now that particular evening, and uh, several of the disciples were, as you know, seasoned fishermen, and they were used to these kinds of weather events. But this particular squall seemed to be unusually severe, for they had been rowing um, for hours, actually, and were probably only halfway across the lake. The parallel account in Mark's gospel says that they were straining at the, at the oars because the wind was against them. So the disciples found themselves out there in the middle of the lake in deep water, and their little boat was being tossed about in the waves and the wind, and they were completely at the mercy of nature. But more frightening than the storm itself was the sight of a man walking on the water which, of course, is, is not something that you see very often. The disciples were terrified, and they thought they were seeing a ghost. They didn't realize at that moment that, that it was Jesus. So as the Lord pulls up beside the boat, he doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't say, oh, you of little faith. He doesn't do that here. But he simply reassures them, dispelling their fears. It is I. Don't be afraid. 
Jesus showed his care, his concern for his disciples in several ways. And for one thing, uh, he watched them. He watched them from the shore. He could see that they were straining at the oars. He watched them struggle all by themselves. He knew they were on the lake, that they were out there. He was aware of their desperate circumstances. He knew what they were going through. And he watched with interest and concern. He loved them, and because he loved them, he kept his eye on them. They couldn't see the Lord, but he could see them. Their desperate situation was not unknown to him. But Jesus not only watched the disciples struggle, knew that they were afraid, but he walked toward them on the water. And here's where some people get stuck. They can't imagine how anybody can walk on water, for after all, that's against the law of physics. But then again, we're talking about Jesus, who, if he is who he claimed to be and who we believe him to be, was the Son of God, and that therefore he was the one who invented the laws of nature. He was not only fully human, but fully divine. So why couldn't he walk on water? One pastor puts it powerfully. He says, how, how is it that Jesus could walk on water? Well, it was ever so easy. You see, because before he walked on the hills of Galilee, he made them. Before he walked on the waters of the lake, he made the water. Before they nailed him to a cross and hammered nails in his hands and feet and ran the crown of thorns upon his head, he made the wood that they crucified him on. It was quite easy for the Son of God to walk on water. He made it. He put the elements, the hydrogen and the oxygen together. And he still walks on water. He still comes and does the impossible. Don't get hung up on the miracle itself. Think about what's happening here, what the point was. Jesus was walking to the hapless disciples out there, middle of that lake, walking to them in their need to comfort and to assure them. However, as far as they were concerned, that was a ghost out there. <laughs> it was a ghost, and it says they were, they, were, they were terrified, absolutely terrified. Now, perhaps it shouldn't have been so, because after all, they just witnessed this Jesus multiply two fishes and five loaves, feeding 5,000 people. Jesus proved that he was sufficient at the time of their need, provided for all. So we might expect the disciples here at this moment, in their desperate need, would figure that somehow Jesus would be sufficient for their need, in their desperate circumstances. But yet, here they were in the middle of the lake, and they were terrified. As far as they were concerned, he was a ghost. Faith expects Jesus to show up. At that moment, they lost their faith, and fear got the better of them. The Lord watched them with concern, walked toward them in love, and then he spoke to them. It is I. Don't be afraid. In the Greek, the words are, ego, a me. 
I am, which is none other than the divine name. God reveals himself to Moses at, at the burning bush as I am. I am who I am. In Greek, ego eimi. Noted Bible scholar Dale Bruner, who was head of the theology department, great Bible study teacher at Whitworth University, um, has written a, a great commentary on the Gospel of John. And this is what he says about Jesus' greeting. He says, this is no ordinary hello in water. It's the divine Lord addressing his needy church. The gospel of the story is in this great address. Jesus intends for his fear-prone followers to understand that this earth is in the hands of an infinite Lord whose character and competence can be trusted. Courage, a go, a me. It is I. I am. Don't be afraid. And such is the God that we have. He watches us with concern. He walks towards us in our need, and he speaks that word that has power to still the fears inside us. It is I. Don't be afraid. So what is it that you and I are afraid of? If we're honest with ourselves, you know, we are a bundle of fears. We really are. We afraid of illness, our bodies falling apart. Are we afraid of, of death? Is it the fear of rejection? The fear of failure? The fear of financial reversal? The fear of the unknown? To you and to me, Jesus says, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. What is it that threatens to swamp our boat? What are we afraid of? Jesus says, it's me. Don't you know I'm here with you? And again and again, the Lord comes to us and he speaks into our troubled lives, reminding us of his promises steadying our feet, stealing our nerves, filling us with courage. He speaks to us still through the words of Scripture, and those words make all the difference. The words of Scripture, the words that Jesus speaks, the words that we find, say, in the Psalms, are not empty cliches. They're not empty of power. But they are filled with power and with blessing. William James, who was a very famous psychologist, described a time in his early life when he was in the grip of deep despair. He says, fear was so incisive and powerful that if I had not clung to scripture texts like, the eternal God is my refuge, and come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I am the resurrection and the life, I think I really should have gone insane. There are times in our lives in our fear when all we can do is hold on to those words, and I'm saying those words have power. As a pastor, I am privileged to speak into people's lives, to speak Jesus' words into people's lives at critical times. I've spoken Jesus' words at 
well, in patient rooms when somebody has just received a bad diagnosis, family all gathered around her. If somebody's going into a very scary surgery, not knowing whether they're going to come out. I've spoken Jesus' words over people who are dying. I've spoken Jesus' words at gravesides. And I've got to tell you that those words, at those stormy moments, have incredible power. Why do you think soldiers, before they go into battle, oftentimes carry Bibles with them? My great aunt gave me my great uncle's pocket Bible that he carried through World War I. I still have that pocket Bible. And I know that that, that Bible comforted him a great deal. And I know that he read the Bible. It wasn't just to him like a lucky charm, but he read it. And he later became a congregational minister. The power of God's word is amazing. Jesus speaks into our troubled lives. The trouble is we need to be listening. And you know what? One thing that slows us down is prayer. Because when we pray, the Lord is able to speak into our lives. We recall his words. Somebody has said that courage is fear that said his prayers. Courage is fear that says prayers. Yes, we are afraid. Life can be scary. Life is scary for living. <laughs> We're vulnerable, right? But in our prayers, we are reminded who is with us in the boat. Thank God for, his, for his, his word. Armed with the word, we can beat back any fear. I mean, the Psalms in particular are wonderful to, to know. God, cast your cares on the Lord. He will sustain you, says the psalmist. He will never let the righteous be shaken. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. God speaks to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I've always loved those words of Jesus in the Gospel of John where he says, in the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Those words speak in powerful ways. One, uh, one practice I would commend to you would be the old practice of Bible memorization. I know Valin is trying to get the kids to learn a Bible verse once a month, you know, the, month of the, the, the verse of the month. And so many of those verses have to do with Jesus' love and his presence in their lives. I encourage you to memorize some of these great lines because you will find yourself in very stressful situations 
you will find yourself, if you live long enough, you know, in a time of great fear. And it's wonderful to be able to call those passages to mind. They speak. They calm your heart. So it's not just busy work, you know, like in Sunday school. It's important. These kids hopefully will hang on to these words, and, and the words will come back to them in later life because the Bible is not always handy. Well, the storms are going to blow in on us. Being human beings, we're all vulnerable, and so none of us is spared. What matters, then, is how we respond in the storm. Will we lose our focus? Will we, will we give in to fear? Will we become paralyzed? Say, woe is me. Or will we lift our eyes to the Lord and trust Him to see us through? There is something that we can learn from the eagle. Did you know that the, the eagle knows a storm is coming you know, long before it approaches. The eagle will fly to some high spot and wait for the winds to come. And when the storm hits, it sets its wings so that the wind will lift it up and lift it above the storm. So that when the storm rages below, the eagle is soaring just above it. The eagle does not escape the storm. It simply uses the storm to lift it higher. It rises on the winds that bring the storm. So when the storms of life come upon us, you and I can rise above them by setting our hearts, setting our minds, focusing our thoughts to the one who is sufficient for our need, who comes to us. The storms don't have to overwhelm us. We can allow God's power to lift us above them, whatever those storms are. God enables us to ride out the storms of life. Like the eagle, we can soar above the storm. What the Bible says, they who wait for the Lord, those who hope in the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up. They shall soar uh, like eagles. So, do you want to live without fear? Know that the Lord watches over you with great concern. He knows what you are dealing with. He sees you. And know that he is walking toward you in your need, and he is speaking to you. It's I. Don't be afraid. Next time when the storm hits and you're, you find yourself in some really deep water, expect him to show up. The waters may be deep, but his love is deeper still. Now, it's interesting that after Jesus speaks to his disciples and they take him into their boat, I caught something this morning that I hadn't noticed in my other readings, and that is they allowed him, it says something like they were willing to bring him into the boat. It's kind of like, I don't know, do you think we should? <laughs> I mean, is he really Jesus? Or does he just look like Jesus? But John says, but they were willing to bring him into the boat. How nice of them. 
<laughs> I mean, it's just kind of an odd thing. I have to check out the Greek to see how that reads exactly. But John says, he got into the boat, and it says, immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Is this another miracle? Is this the second miracle? The first miracle is Jesus walking on the water. I know, but could the second miracle be a miracle of transport? You know that once Jesus gets in the boat, they immediately find themselves home? If Jesus is in the boat with us, we shall come safely through. We'll end up where we need to be. The Lord in his love will see that we get through the storm and end up at the right destination. He will take us home where we need to be. Trust him. The Lord knows where he's taking us. Take courage, says the Lord. It's I. It's me. Don't be afraid. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, our lives can really be stormy sometimes. Realize that some of us here may find their lives just sailing along, smooth as glass, no problems, no worries, everything is great, and Lord, we rejoice for those folks. And then there are other folks who, have, who are in the middle of a storm, things seem to be falling apart, everything seems to be uncertain. Some of us here have been through the storm, and we're amazed that we survived and made it out alive. But Lord, thank you for being present to us, for giving us courage to see us through. And we know that you'll continue to lead us through these storms of life because you are faithful to us and you love us with a love that will never let us go. So, Lord, we want to soar with you. We want to soar with you through all the, 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 the severe winds of life. Lift us up higher and higher that we may know that you are with us and that you love us. Thank you for Jesus and for his powerful word that speaks such blessing in our lives. Lord, we praise you. We do thank you. You are our treasure. If we have you, we have everything we need. Amen.